Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mr. Singh, your response first, please, to the federal government's announcement Afghan interpreters for the Canadian Armed Forces and other Afghan nationals who worked with and served with Canadians and served Canada's interests during the NATO mission in Afghanistan will be brought to this country. What are your thoughts? That's right. I think we absolutely did. And I think that's uh, uh, one of the things that makes us a special place that we can do that. And to be able to provide that that opportunity for folks to to get support and to be able to leave a place where there's a lot of troubling news and and serious uh, risks to people is, is a good thing. Yeah. The sexual misconduct issue in the CAF is dragging along with Mr. Trudeau insisting he knew nothing of the 2018 encounter between then uh, CAF Ombudsman Gary Walborn and the Minister of National Defense, Arjit Sajjan. Do you believe Mr. Trudeau? And what is your reaction to reports on Global News that Mr. Sajjan told the military to create a position eventually filled by a reserve officer from his old unit who had been suspended from the Vancouver police for an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate. This is according to briefing notes. What are your thoughts on that? I think that it, this uh, this has been a colossal mess for the Liberals. They, they uh, and, the, and the Conservatives, frankly, both are where, where are the problems in the military. This is well known that there were problems. And there was a Deschamps report which is starting to feel a lot like deja vu. This is a Supreme Court justice from the Supreme Court of Canada who does a report into the problems in the military and finds primary recommendation that there is no way for people to raise complaints, to raise problems other than going to their superior officer. And that is a massive problem. If you look around the world, uh, no other military or many other militaries have an alternative mean, which is an independent process. That was the Justice Deschamps' number one re- recommendation. And to this date, six years later, Trudeau has not done that. Uh, it is squarely at the feet of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, that he could have put in place that. Instead of actually dealing with the problem, this, this culture that is, is dangerous to women and uh, a complete lack of independent process forward, what we have is another report by another justice of the Superior Court. And now the the justice of the Superior Court has incredible experience and is going to do a great job, but why have another report when you have not implemented the first? And what message does this all this send to women? The fact that if a woman brings up a problem and it makes it to the highest office of the land, and instead of anything happening, they're fighting over who knew what when. That is a shame, and it sends a chilling message, not to just women in the military, but to all women, that they can raise concerns and no one's going to listen to them. So let's talk about a broad concern that is raised in this country, and you raise it on a regular basis. You have this week particularly. Would you speak to the issue of racism in Canada, individual and systemic racism? Where do you see racism engaged and by whom? Well, there is there is systemic racism that, that people experience, and we see it in the treatment, uh, in particular recently the rise in anti-Asian hate, there have been lots of stories. I had a constituent. I have a constituent from Burnaby South. Uh, her mom goes for walks. She's of Asian descent. And she called her mom. She shared this with me and told her, Mom, I, I don't think you should be taking your evening walks anymore with the, with the increase in violence against uh, Asian women in particular. We're seeing uh, Muslim women who are being faced with violence, their hijab being torn off. And uh, in London, the, the killing 
uh, the massacre really of an entire family in Ottawa or in Quebec City. Again, uh, a targeted killing of Muslims while they were praying. There's clearly a problem of hate on the rise, and there's clearly a systemic uh, problem where there are, we see in policing services or in security services that the real and urgent threat to Canadians' lives are coming from white supremacist groups or extreme right-wing groups that are that are sowing these messages of division, are radicalizing people, and uh, they are not really receiving any scrutiny. They're not being dismantled. They're not receiving the uh, the attention that that is required. And uh, we're seeing disproportionate stopping of people that are racialized just because of the color of their skin. Indigenous people continue to be mistreated by police. So these are ongoing and real issues. And uh, sometimes while we are better than other nations in some ways, I think the problem with Canadians is we're sometimes too polite to accept and confront the realities of the challenges that we're up against. And I think one of the positive things, though, is that Canada is up to the challenge. And I feel like People want things to be better, and we can make things better. What do you mean when you say the ultra-rich must pay their fair share in taxes? Now, I get the soundbite, Mr. Singh, but beyond <laughs> the soundbite, what are you proposing specifically? Well, a host of measures. Really, the, the principle is, when we look at this pandemic, a lot of people are wondering who's going to pay for the pandemic and who's going to pay for the recovery. And it's a legitimate question because after difficult times, we've seen two approaches have been really the go-to game plan for previous federal governments, liberal or conservative. Either there is a period of austerity where services and help that people need is cut, or the burden is increased on the people that have actually already suffered, workers and middle class and small businesses, then see an increase in their taxes. I'm proposing a third option. That's to say we know that people, uh, large, wealthy corporations, make money off the backs of Canadians, take that money, all profits made in Canada off of Canadians and hide it in offshore bank accounts, and it's completely legal to do so. We want to end those loopholes and, and take on those that are hiding their wealth and not paying their fair share. You know, regu- every, everyday workers pay their fair share, but the ultra-rich get away with not doing that. So when I mean ultra-rich, people who use offshore, tank, uh, offshore uh, bank accounts, offshore accounts to hide their, their wealth. Those are people I'm talking about. I'm also talking about Amazon, a company that made record profits in this pandemic, but virtually pays no taxes in Canada. That should not be allowed to continue. And Canadians are frustrated. I'm hearing a lot of people saying, you know, we've seen the, the billionaires go to space and enjoy all this massive wealth. Uh, the richest Canadian billionaires, 44 of them, increased their wealth by $70 billion in this pandemic. They should be contributing their fair share. And their fair share means not having loopholes that allow them to hide their wealth. That means making sure they contribute fairly, and we've got a host of ways to do that. So let me bring this down to the street level. You're also calling for an immediate increase of the minimum wage federally. Do you think that after coming out of the pandemic, and we're not out yet, with the CFIB telling us repeatedly up to 250,000 small businesses are in danger of not surviving, that increasing the minimum wage should be extended to all businesses, including small businesses? And if so, how is that sustainable for people who've told me they were keeping employees on the payroll by using up their own and personal credit lines? Are you looking at extending the minimum wage, raising the minimum wage for the small business community in this country? Well, what we're doing is that we want to set the leadership by saying that at the federal level, we can impose or we can put in place a federally regulated minimum wage. And, and we think that it should be a decent wage. And we want to set an example with that. 
But with the small business example that you raised, I think it's really important to highlight that in this pandemic, big box stores were able to continue to operate, did all right. But it's really small businesses that were hardest hit. So we laid out a plan saying for small businesses, specifically for those that qualify small business, we want to see the supports like the waste subsidy and the rent subsidy continue for those small businesses so they can continue to have the help they need. And the way we pay for that is, again, to make sure the large corporations, the wealthy Amazons and Netflix and Googles and, and companies that hide their wealth in offshore tax havens, they contribute their fair share and we invest that into helping those who need support the most. So I would continue, it's a part of our jobs plan, I would continue supports for small businesses past uh, the end point that the Liberals have proposed and to help those that need it most, these small businesses that have suffered a lot during the pandemic. Would you uh, be in favor then of larger federal deficits and not necessarily to be too concerned about spiring national debt? Well, I understand the concern, and, and the concern is is people start wondering, well, if these these uh, this debt and deficit continue, who's going to pay for it? And that's why I answered that question by saying, we do need to continue investing people. We can't cut those investments. So if we're not going to cut the investments, and we certainly don't believe in increasing the burden on people who've already suffered, that's why we're proposing the third option. There's significant revenue that the Parliamentary Budget Office has pointed out with our plan of taxing the ultra-rich. There's lots of revenue that we can raise. We can use that to invest more in people and to pay down our deficit or pay down our debt. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Singh, the residential schools issue, it is very difficult to accept that Canada had a policy of residential schools mm. until 1996. And I've twice recently spoken with Chief Cadmus Delorme of Cowess's First Nation on this program, as well as with Jody Wilson-Raybould, whose departure from Parliament you tweeted you're sad to see. How do you, mm-hmm. Mr. Singh, approach the issue of reconciliation Keeping the residential schools issue in mind, what do you do? It's, it's heartbreaking. And I think it really hit Canadians with the first discovery, the 215 in Kamloops. It really rocked a lot of Canadian sensibility because it was a way to be confronted with the real painful reality of residential schools in a way that I don't think a lot of Canadians ever had confronted before. We were having some conversations about this. And we thought about, I thought about the great schools that I went to in Windsor, Ontario. And the thought that there would be a grave site on my elementary school, you know, no Canadian that has gone to a major city elementary school has a grave site on their actual elementary school's school site. Uh, it's really an example of what these institutions really were. They were institutions that were a part of the genocide of Indigenous people. There's no other way to put it. And it's, it's something that is painful. But the beautiful in this really horrible moment is that Canadians are starting to demand for justice. They're saying we can't just grieve and mourn the loss. We have to do something about it. And that to me is really hopeful that Canadians want to see justice. So what do we do? We need to make sure that every child is brought back home. Every single child that was, that lost his or her life in a, in a residential institution has to be able to be brought back home. Every community should have the ability to investigate any burial sites those communities need supports for the trauma. I've spoken to people that are still reeling from the trauma. It's reopened a lot of wounds. Survivors, and many of them that you mentioned, 1996 wasn't that long ago. There's a lot of survivors, and they think about those that didn't make it home and those that they thought maybe ran away, and maybe instead of running away, they actually lost their lives. So we've got to deal with the trauma. There's calls to action, 94 of them. The Liberal government promised to implement them. They've only done a fraction. We need to implement all those calls to action. Okay, so why you? 
instead of Justin Trudeau. You're gaining on him as far as popularity polls are concerned, mm-hmm. but why you instead of Justin Trudeau? And do you believe Mr. Trudeau has difficulty telling the truth to Canadians about his own and his government's actions? For example, do you believe Mr. Trudeau has been truthful about SNC-Lavalin and Jody Wilson-Raybould? Do you believe he's been truthful about his and his government's actions involving We Charity? A uh, very heavy question. I think a very important question. I'll start with the why me. I would say I have in my life experienced a lot of the struggles that Canadians continue to experience. I remember what it's like to struggle in life. I've had to struggle. I remember what it's like to deal with financial difficulty. There was a time when my father, who was a very successful physician, was uh, dealing with uh, a struggle with addiction. It meant that we lost everything. He lost his savings. We lost our home. And we didn't have a place to live for a bit. I remember being a young man, uh, the eldest in my family, having to provide for my family, care for my brother when I was in university, and get him into high school and support him through schooling. While my friends were having a fun university lifestyle, I was kind of the surrogate father of a young uh, teenage boy. And, and I had to step up and provide that support. There was a time where I was the only income su- supporter of my family. And and as a, as a young lawyer, I was the one paying all the bills at 26, 27, supporting a household of my mom and my dad and my, my brother. Yeah, so clearly your life was not a parallel to Mr. Trudeau's. <laughs> right. But let's get to this issue of Mr. Trudeau being truthful with Canadians. Mm. Um, again, SNC-Lavalin, Jody Wilson-Raybould, the WE Charity. Do you believe that he's being truthful or do you think he's being less than truthful? I believe what what he has shown is a pattern of behavior where he helps out his close friends and very powerful at the top. And so in each of those examples, SNC-Lavalin, a corporation that in the past had been linked to illegal donations to the Liberal Party, and the WE Charity, close friends that he helped out. But the big problem is each one of those incidents in helping out these companies, he hurts people. With WE Charity, it was supposed to be about helping students and young people. He ended up hurting them because there's no help that was delivered. At the end of the day, there was a billion dollars that was supposed yeah. to be invested. In, in the interest of time, people. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but in the interest of yeah, time, no problem, no problem. is he being truthful with Canadians, yes or no? Uh, I, don't, I think that he is choosing the ultra-rich and the wealthy over Canadians. I think he's not telling the full story, but it's not just about not telling the full story. It's about who he's choosing when he votes against things, when he votes against taxing the ultra-rich or votes against Pharmacare or supports We Charity. These are all examples of helping the powerful and hurting people. Okay, so he's not telling the truth. Mr. Singh, what about you differentiating yourself from Aaron O'Toole? Well, interesting examples. Each of those things that I mentioned in the taxing the ultra-rich, which I think a lot of Canadians agree with, it was, when we put that motion forward, it was uh, Justin Trudeau and Aaron O'Toole, liberals and conservatives, who teamed up to vote against that. When we said we should get rid of for profit, starting with Rivera, which is owned by a federal agency and should be public. It should be about care for our loved ones, not about profit. It was Aaron O'Toole and Justin Trudeau that voted against getting profit out of long-term care. When we said that pharmacare example I gave you and uh, something that Canadians believe makes a lot of sense, it was again Aaron O'Toole and Justin Trudeau that teamed up to vote against pharmacare. So on a lot of these really important things to Canadians, taxing the rich, medication coverage for all, and long-term care that cares for our loved ones, Mr. Trudeau and Mr. O'Toole both took the side of the, the for-profit long-term care, the pharmaceutical companies, and the ultra-rich against people. And so we can make a clear distinction. Our focus is, is always on people. All right. Climate change. Do you support additional carbon taxes? 
I support a price on pollution that actually tax or puts the price or puts the burden on the on the biggest polluters. The price on pollution that uh, Mr. Trudeau has implemented actually exempts some of the biggest polluters. And I think that's a big problem. We need to take on the biggest polluters. We need to protect our land, air and water. We've seen forest fires ravaging B.C. I've in my home riding of Burnaby South. There have been massive heat waves, the likes of which we've never seen. People lost their life because they're not used to these type of temperatures in the lower mainland of B.C. So we know the impact of these of these forest fires right now in Toronto. We're here. We're, we're still a couple of days past. We're having smoke in the city because of the forest fires in northern Ontario. These are directly caused by climate crisis and we've got to take it on. And the way to do that is not to put the burden on families that are struggling, but to put the burden on the biggest polluters. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.